Welcome to Splinters, courtesy of The Bench, your Friday night sports fix. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the Bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, all good podcast sites. We do it all for the Hornsby Coringai Post and Atlas Chartered Accountants. Make sure you visit them at www.ihatetax.com.au. Anthony the Bull Caruso here to take you through part two of our Summer of Cricket wrap. This week is the Sydney Shires Cricket wrap, a season to see many challenges in getting a competition going for this year under extenuating circumstances. Not only that, one club dropping out altogether, but in the end, some more exciting cricket being played out throughout the season. Tonight we have a full panel with us, with two returning members of the panel and one new addition to start with. We have the chairman of the Shire subcommittee, Roseville's best Italian cricketer, John Viviano. Welcome back to Splinters. Yeah, hi, Bull. Thanks for having me. Great to be back. And, uh, of course, we should make mention of the second greatest Italian to ever play for Roseville, I believe, in Cam Gallo, and unfortunately couldn't make it here tonight. <laughs> Enough said. Let's move on. <laughs> Along with the Biv, we have Lane Cove legend and one of the most dangerous bats in the competition back with us tonight, Damien Norton. Good evening to you. Good evening, Paul. G'day, Viv. G'day, Berkey. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. Finally, we thought it was fitting to continue expanding the sphere of legends joining this broadcast. And tonight, we have the, one of the most popular and funniest cricketers in Shire's cricket world. From Rohingya Cricket Club, originally from Foster, it is a Splinter's debut to Tippy himself, Tim Burke. Good evening. Good evening, lads. Thanks for the invite, Bull. And, um, yeah, looking forward to it. It's it's a big show, this. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, our Shire's preview uh, ended up, has and broke new grounds for us. It is the it was the most listened to podcast in our show's history, 10,000 listens. So who knows where we're going to go this year. And I can tell you as well, Biv, that this podcast went all over the world with about a thousand hits alone occurring in the UK. Yeah, COVID was kind to your audience numbers, I think, uh, Bull. So, yeah, a lot of people in lockdown look, looking for some new content to listen to. So, congratulations, ten thousand, great number. Hey, Bull, do we get a, do we get a Spotify deal out of this, Bull, or what's going on? <laughs> I, I, I am pushing for something like that at the moment. Um, we haven't heard anything yet, but given that we've now got sponsors, we might be able to launch something through that now. So, oh, we uh, can get paid the, now, Nordo. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Four grades to get through, plus the Frank Gray Shield for the under-24s. Scintillating cricket to go through, including arguably, and Tim, I'm going to just have a quick mention of this to start off with, the best grand, grand final action across all four main grades that Sydney Shires cricket has ever seen. Yeah, it was unbelievable to have four, um, four, four games go down to pretty much as I was Nordo. I think ninth wicket in two of them, and then a couple of runs in um, the other two games. So pretty pretty tense finishes, but um, good for Sydney Shires cricket. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with that, umpire strikes back and huge ass have taken their positions. They have called play. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. <laughs> We're going to kick things off here tonight with first grade. 
And, Biv, I'm going to come to you because although we saw a couple of the usual suspects ending up within that top six, one club came out of nowhere to top the table for this season. Yeah, look, I think we predicted it uh, on the previous podcast, didn't we, Bull? We we talked about one-day cricket, the number of one-day games could favour certain teams and, and uh, for Epping to finish on top after the prelim rounds um, with, you know, Burwood up there and, and, and Roseville in the, in the top three, you, you know, I don't think there were many people predicting um, those sides being in the top three after the prelim rounds. It was, it was an amazing um, run for the, for the Epping Bulls. And Nordo, you know, this is a club that in, in first grade had had its challenges over the last full, uh, few years. So to see them roaring back to the top of the table, um, it, it, it does bode well for the variety that we're now starting to see in that first grade competition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, full credit to, to Epping, not only in ones, but they seem to be pretty strong across the grades this year. But certainly in first grade, look, the one day has um, definitely suited their game. Um, having, a look, having a look through some of the stats, um, the bulk of their wickets were, were spin. I think they had four spinners, which is just crazy. But having a look at their batting, they, had, they didn't have anyone averaging over 35. So a real team effort from Epping in ones. And, yeah, I mean, you know, none of us would have picked them to come minor premiers, but... Congrats, and geez, they almost got there in the GF as well. The Berkey, one of the teams, two of the teams to really look out for coming into the, the final series. Um, you had Epping coming first. Burwood, no one's surprised that they came in second, but the run that Roseville and Auburn had coming into the finals, you had a sense that these two teams could have sparked an upset had we had full-on fi- um, final series, if not for the weather. Yeah, the rain really threw, threw, threw everyone out a little bit, but... Um Auburn defending champs last year were, were pretty solid. Um, so yeah, and Roseville, I'm sure, what are they? They went win, draw, loss, win, win. So they'll, they'll come home strong with a fair bit of experience in the Roseville side, um, at the moment. But yeah, very. And what, what, where were you at with your team, Norto? How was your run coming home at, at fifth spot? Yeah, I mean, we were pretty disappointed to finish fifth. Um, we had a pretty good start to the season, but, um, Unfortunately, lost back-to-back games pretty convincingly to Auburn and, and Burwood and then had the bye last round, so we slid down the table a little bit. But, look, had the weather not played a part in, in our um, quarterfinal, I think, um, you know, we, we were a chance against Burwood as well. So, you know, that's the reality of, of March uh, in Sydney, though. There's, there's typically a lot of rain about, and um, you need to finish that top three just to, just to make sure that you're going through, you know, short of rain. And... and- Biv, Roseville's performance in, in first grade really showing that they have hit a rich vein of form in, in that competition over the last few years. Uh, we talk about the, 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 the solidarity of this unit uh, that they've had over the last couple of years, but the addition of Tim Lay over the last couple, over the last couple of seasons really did just take them to the next level. Yeah, look, uh, Timmy only played a couple of games with us this year. I think uh, had he been uh, more readily available, uh, would have been great. But it, it was, it was. Look, it was a fantastic run, taking nothing away from uh, from Epping and Burwood, but uh, and and Burwood being the eventual premiers. You know, the Roses knocked them off in the uh, last round, which was a one-day game with a bonus point. So I think the boys had momentum. They certainly uh, scored big in the qualifying final against Auburn. 
Um, and, you know, it was disappointing with the weather to uh, not get a chance to play in the GF. It would have been nice for many of the stalwarts like Lenahan and, and Sweeney and Gabay and Blunt to, to get a shot at the title. But uh, if anything, it makes them hungry to go around one more time next year and, and try and improve on third position. Well, let's go to that grand final because, of course, the finals were pretty much washed out. And, uh, Biv, a, um, a welcome return, I guess, to Bon Andrews Oval for the grand, for the grand final. And I saw an absolute nail-biter between Epping yeah, and Burwood. Uh, yeah, it was mentioned by Berkey up front. A couple of the grand finals were um, right down to the wire. And, and unfortunately for Epping, they uh, couldn't get across the line. And, and uh, in some ways, you know, Burwood were... Had probably Jared Price upstairs uh, after his uh, unfortunate uh, passing uh, early in the season or, or late last year, and and it was look, it was a reward for them, and and uh, I'm really pleased that they were able to to go out winners in uh, in his memory. We start off Nordo with uh, the performance by Akshay Nishkawad, uh, who got 75 not out and pretty much a lone hand for Epping in the first innings especially against the might of Jack Kovacic and Brenton Wright. Yeah, a really good dig um, and, and scored a few runs throughout the season. Um, you know, low-scoring grand finals um, under a lot of pressure to come out and, and put in an innings like that was, you know, a great effort. But, you know, full credit to Burwood, you know, chasing down chasing down those runs. Um, I'm pretty sure Basto was one of the guys who was, was in there and he's, he's got a wealth of grand final experience and... I think they needed 13 or 14 runs to win. I thought, I thought with one wicket in hand, so to, to turn that around and, and come back and you know with a 10th wicket partnership like that was full credit. And that's that's you know experience counts in in grand finals. His only his only game in first grade this year, Nordo, and uh, coming off being man of the match in the second grade grand final last year. So you're absolutely right. All that experience there you go. counts. How many how many grand finals do you reckon he's played? I don't know. More than more than you. <laughs> lots and lots and lots. One of the one of the real surprises um, that came, well, not so much surprises, but um, he he was one of the victims, I guess, initially of Macquarie University um, falling apart. But Himanshu Ward moving across to Epping and making a big comp- contribution along with Dinesh Ahmed and really nearly um, keeping Epping in the game. And as, until as you said, Viv, the um, the last stand, getting Burwood just over the line to give them a four-run lead. And that's all you need, isn't it, just to get over the line. But, yeah, look, Dinesh, I think um, I think he got 28 wickets or something like that in the season. So he was uh, he was a handy pick-up for them and, and certainly was in the top five uh, wicket-takers in, across the competition this year. So they recruited well. Um, again, I think, uh, you know, their spinners... Um, and their bowling in general really uh, was their strength, and particularly with a lot of one-day cricket, um, you know, that they picked up wickets where where batsmen weren't as patient as they probably could be in two-day cricket, and 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 that was the experience that um, Nordo talked about in the grand final. You know, you could just be a little bit more patient um, against that bowling attack, and and uh, they fortunately for Burwood they got over the line. It, it, it is you know disappointing for Epping. 
but I'm sure they probably will take a lot out of it and be uh, better for the experience and we'll be right up there again next year. An interesting decision, Berkey, for the player of the final and picking up the Peter Mooney medal, um, Jack Kovacic, who got four for 35. Um, interesting, they gave it to him over uh, Brenton Wright, who took eight wickets for the match, but it has to be said that Kovacic played a critical role as well with the bat to see Burwood over the line in that first innings. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't actually at the game, so I'm not sure, but I guess they both took four for four five, one for thirty uh, for thirty five and four for twenty six. Um, but maybe Cover with the new ball might have done it, done a bit of damage early and took off you know some higher top order bats. Um, but yeah, Cover he's how old is Cover now? He's, he seems to be around a long time, but he's still pretty young, isn't he? I think it's only 25, 26, because I remember him playing a couple of years ago in the Frank Gray Shield final against Warringah. Yeah, I reckon he must be about three years out of Frank Gray, so in around that 27 mark, potentially. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a tough one. We are talking about him the other day. Sort of, he just pitches it up there and just asks little questions. Doesn't, doesn't really sniff you or bounce you too much, but he's just, He's just always at ya. Very much typical Burwood. So, yeah, maybe he did a bit of damage early. I'm not. I'm not sure. Was there any anyone at the game? Were you there, Nordal Biv, or at the first grade? No, I didn't. I didn't catch yeah. any of it. But um, yeah, I think it's it was probably tough on BJ Wright, especially. I think he got twenty odd in um, in the Burwood dig as well. So, I mean, <clears throat> twenty odd and four for twenty six off seventeen. Just having a look for it. So maybe a bit tough. It looks like he cleaned up a bit of the tail. Um, but you know, covers the yard the yardstick for for Burwood. Um, if he's not on, um, you know, then they're pretty much solely relying on BJ Wright. But um, you know, big game and like I said, you have big game players and experience, and he certainly stepped up for the GF. Never question the umpires; they made the decision on the uh, man of the match. So uh, <laughs> never wonder question an umpire. Very diplomatic answer that one. There, we should point out as well that that was. Burwood's first grand final win since 2013-14. Um, they they developed a bit of a reputation over the last couple of years, Biv, as being bridesmaids in the first grade competition, especially during the Mounties three-peat. Um, but they finally get their hands on the trophy um, for the first time in seven years. Yeah, look, look as a club, you know, they, they've won the umpteenth club championship again this year. And, you know, look, Great reward for them. At the end of the day, um, it's, you don't necessarily have to be the uh, the best team all season. You just have to make it through to the grand final, and then you have to win win the big game. And 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 they did that. And you know, BJ Wright take nothing away from him. He took fifty wickets in the season at an average of nine. So you know, he had a great season, and uh, I'm sure he he got many accolades. Um, at that club, the probably first grade bowler of the year, but uh, great reward yeah. for their club once again. And, and Bull, you're right. You know, seven years without a first grade premiership, we were all feeling very sorry for Burwood during that during that um, that tough stretch. <laughs> um, so, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how they kept going, mate. Shots fired here already. Uh, we better just tone it down a slightly a bit before I get a, before I get a, uh, a phone call. Uh, but we're going to go over to those top tens. We did mention BJ Wright topping the wickets, but a surprise top of the charts for the batting Tim Burke, Aka Sunny Saha for Warringah with 577. Yeah, Sunny Saha. We um, picked him up this this year uh, out of Park, which is. Uh, Interesting little um, score from us. Um, started off in second grade. I think he had 
least two games in there and peeled off 80 in one of them and then um, actually took the gloves off our first grade keeper and pushed his way in through there, but purely it was picked off um, through his batting. But, yeah, to finish with 577 runs, is that is that just including first grade? That's just first grade. Okay. So oh, he must have been not far off, off Andy's record from, from a few years ago. But yeah, that, that's a that's a good good addition to the club, and I know we've um, a bit of a handshake deal with Sonny to um, come back next year and and help with the coaching, I believe as well. So I think um, he's a good pick up. He's a good guy. Very happy for Sonny. And I believe and I believe there's rumours about great clubs sniffing around for him at the moment. We had, but he can confirm he has been locked down at this stage. A couple of the usual um, suspects appearing, Biv, in the batting charts there: Cosby Beetle, Paul Donovan. A son of Huck, um, some guy named Damian Norton appearing on there again. Um, but once again, Tamadul Islam showing his wares is arguably Shy's best all-rounder. Well, I think that's um, that's a bit tough on BJ Wright um, <laughs> if you're not calling him and if you're not calling him an all-rounder. But look, Tamad uh, is a, is a great cricketer, um, and you know, I think we said it in the preview. I think it's um, it's a tough slog for him. Um, Running out for, for Balmain, uh, Balmain South Sydney, uh, every week. I think, um, yeah, he certainly carries that club and he certainly carries that team. Um, he'd be an interesting guy to see, you know, in a really strong first grade side. Um, I think he'd be the kind of guy who would finish the season as player's player and, you know, would, would be picking up a man of the match in the grand final. He's that good of a player. Yeah, look, I, it, it is pleasing that, um, Guys like Cozzy um, continue to do it, and he, he certainly um, strengthened that Mountie side this year. I think uh, when Norto uh, busted his hand and missed a few rounds there, um, Lane Cove uh, weren't as effective with the bat. And so it, it does show how important um, runs are in, in Shire's cricket. Yeah, I'm, I think VJ Wright you know, is probably the premier all-rounder um, for the season, in in my opinion. Um, lots of runs and over 330 runs at, at uh, what was it, at about uh, 33. So, um, you know, he had a great season, taking nothing away from Islam, who, um, you know, Balmain are very fortunate to have his services. A couple of uh, mentions of the big performances. Brenton Wright, again, uh, taking... Um, Ten for thirty-two, funnily enough, mm. against um, against Lane Cove in in round twelve. Uh, one hat trick um, was earned. It was Luke Byron um, taking the hat trick biv to close out the innings, and I believe that was for George's River against Epping. Right, wasn't aware of that, so can't really comment. But uh, yeah. yeah, you take a hat trick when you can get it, right? Berkey, one score of one hundred and fifty plus earned. And it's an old nemesis of yours, Wally Jalil, scoring exactly 150 against Warringah in round 13. Yeah, I was speaking to Hamo, the um, first grade captain. He, he obviously went to town. That was in a one day as well, was it? In last it was, round? yes. So that you've got to take note of that as well. But um, yeah, that's a great, great knock from him. But um, definitely, definitely worth it. In the, where's he? Where's he actually batting now? Where's still, he still, it was still, he was in the middle. It was still in the middle order, and there was rumor going around, Biv, that apparently there was an Impala Sports sponsorship for for next season on the line if he got 150. So Rob Yunan, I think, is going to be uh, forking out some cash and and gear for him next season. 
Oh, I wouldn't change the bat. If I scored 150, I'd be sticking with whatever brand <laughs> I went out with. Let's go, let's go to second grade and Linfield taking the minor premiership with a brilliant run home with three wins on the trot. It was topped off, Biv, with a stirring win against fourth place Auburn, whom they dismantled for just 64. But this Linfield team, uh, really had been building for the last couple of years and now that potential has been realised. They were the standout team in second grade. I think they only dropped the one game from memory. And, um, you know, they they were strong across the board. A lot of that team had um, had some success um, through Frank Gray um, the previous year. They were, they were well captained. Um, and at the end of the day, the grand final was uh, the grand final was a very exciting game. I got to see a lot of that as it was played at Roseville Chase Oval, and uh, and um, you know they just got the win in the end. Unfortunately, um, the last pair for Lane Cove I think put on fifty odd, and and there was an unfortunate run out with about three runs to get. Let's go through the uh, the finals because of course this is one of the few finals that actually saw. Uh, results occur, and there was a major, um, boil, one major boil over, uh, with Epping limited to 169 before Christopher Stefan took 5 for 21 and then ripped Burwood apart for just 36, which of course under the final system meant that Burwood went to the bottom of the pile. Yeah, uh, well, Chris is, uh, someone that, uh, is a quality player who, um, didn't get to play a lot of cricket this year due to being in the um, the uh, Cricket New South Wales bubble as part of his employment. But uh, when he came back, he was in uh, in the lower grades and he certainly uh, showed his value in in that particular game. And then Berkey, you would have um, you would have got a, caught a whiff of this, but uh, Warringah came within a whisker of causing the second upset. Um, they were held to 131 by Linfield, but they had him. At stumps on day one, seven for 91, and the rain came to save Linfield. Yeah, I was actually um, at that game watching, and I think everyone knew that it was going to rain Sunday. Um, we didn't think it was going to rain the whole day, but Ringa got sent in um, on a not-too-bad wicket, but um, in like they were trying to get 200 and sort of declare with enough overs left in the day to maybe... 30, 40 overs left in the day to um to bowl at them. It actually got got rolled, which I thought was sort of a good thing in a way because it left them at least 45 overs, I think. Um and then yeah, to have them seven for 91 at that mm. point um was yeah that I think they would have come back the next day and won that if they had half an hour to an hour's play. Um but in saying that and and as what Nordo touched on at the start is you just got to put yourself in that position at come finals time to not not be where they were, so um, you know they did everything they had to do. Linfield late in that afternoon to um, hold it out. So yeah, that's just how how it is. And even if I think Moringa went through, they would have definitely got washed out the next week. So um, happy to see Linfield, you know, share it around a little bit and, and get a premiership. I think um, Watsy's um, the captain. I think we had a yes, um, I, I believe. Was, yes. So yeah, as as Biff said, he, he I think he'd been around. Um, Frank Gray captain a lot and um he's a he's a he's a funny cat. Um I've come up against him a bit but he sort of gets the job done so um congrats to Linfield. Yeah, one of those guys really nice off the pitch but white line fever when he gets on the pitch, old Watsy. 
Yes, the old white, white helmet Watsy we used to call him. He used to walk out with a plastic white lid and you just wanted to bounce him when he come out with that and he was, he's pretty cheeky, but he is a good bloke. And, and this match, um, this grand final, Linfield all out for 115, Lane Cove three runs short. What a match this was, Biv. Oh, it was unbelievable and, uh, you know, worthy of a grand final and, uh, you know, Lane Cove bowled really well. Um, up front, the, it, the pitch was playing um, all right. There was some panic batting um, by Linfield, and um, and Lane Cove unfortunately couldn't capitalise on the wonderful work of their bowling attack and lost uh, a lot of early wickets. Again, not really the bowling; it was some poor shot selection, and uh, unfortunately for them, that last pair just couldn't get them over the line. Nordo, we come to you. The 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 last stand from Lane Cove: Andrew Robertson and Ben Greaves, sixty-one for the last wicket. What a tail wag this was, and what a story it would have been if they had scrambled Lane Cove over the line. Yeah, I mean. Um Really disappointed for the club to have twos and threes go down um, in such tight games. Um, you know, and, and the second grade boys were gutted. I think, you know, to Bib's point, you know, the Kobe's bowled really well in the first year. Um, maybe some suspect shots from, from Linfield, but certainly I think our boys were disappointed with a few of the, the shot selection um, in the chase. And, you know, for Robbo and Greasy, and to give you some context, Robbo is, even though he bats at number eight uh, or number nine, he's He's one of the most. He's been one of our most reliable bats in, in twos all year. So there's no surprise to see him do the job that he did. But Benny Greaves at the other end, with all due respect to Greaves, he's a great bowler. But um, I don't know if he's. You could probably count on one finger to come back next year. Just you could probably count on one. You could probably count on one figure the, the, the amount of times he's had partnerships over fifteen or twenty. So um, for him to just go out there and and give it a, a, a red-hot crack, and for him and Robbo just to have, you know, such a good effort in almost getting there. Um, it was a great effort from the lads, and unfortunately, um, you know, it tends to happen in cricket. You see it a lot. You get you get partnerships that almost get there, and, you know, nerves kick in when you get to under 10, and sure enough, um, a run that wasn't there, and a couple of runs short, heartbreaking. You're right. Uh, it was like when they got together, they had nothing to lose. And you could sense it as they got to 20 to go. It was like they thought, we can do this. And then when they got to with 10 to go, you could see it was getting a little scatterbrained. And what, what was the the situation with the run-out bid? Was it a direct uh, hit or a missed call? Really or? A run. No, it wasn't really a run there. He, he uh, Batsman hit it and called. It went to sort of, I think, backward point from memory. I forget who was at the runner's end, but he, he called no early. The, the guy that hit the shot committed and, and then unfortunately couldn't get back. Just just out, too. It wasn't like he was out by a lot. So Yeah, and we, we had news. We, we ran into um, Beza that morning cause in, in third grade, and he said that they might have um, might have actually just went for some quick runs and potentially give up first innings and hunt down in the second innings. Was that true, Nordo, or was that, or was that not how it played out? Was there... Oh, I, I, I don't know about that. I think, I think, um, just the boys went into day two with the confidence that there would probably be a great chance of a, of a, of a second innings result. So I think the mindset was, let's give this a good crack. Yeah. But, you know, if we, if we don't get it, that's okay. Let's come out and, and go, go for second innings. But as soon as they started batting well, um, it was very clear that, um, you know, they were going for the win. Sure, they were being positive. 
um, and some aggressive shots every now and then, but they they certainly weren't. You know, throwing throwing the bat at it too much. It was it was just a really good innings. No, yeah, they weren't cavalier at all. But uh, with every boundary that was being struck, you know, Linfield, you you could sense a little bit of panic there as well in the Linfield team. Just to wrap up the second grade before we go to the break, player of the match for that was Luke Watson. A crucial performance with bat and ball. 24 and 42 with the bat and then 2 for 17 with the ball. The second grade performances, uh, the bowling very tight at the top between um, some of the regulars there and Harry Banfield and Brett, Bas- Brett Basto. Omar Farouk with the runs over Andrew McGuinness, who we've seen time and time again. Couple of um, particular mentions um, in the in the lineup. First off, um, to you, Nordo um, Sidaval Shaikh with 251 runs, a very solid performance from him. Yeah, Sidar, um relatively new to the club and made his way up the grades, and you know one of those guys who gets an opportunity to play upper grade and then you know shows that he's mu- you know more than capable um, with the bat. He had one innings in particular where he hit an 80 odd and. Smoked a couple of bombs over Epping Road, just showed, you know, the talent that he has. Um, yeah, he had, he had a great season. Um, but as per usual, I mean, as, as, as most, most teams would playing at, playing at, um, at Tantallon, the bowling's typically a strength. And if you can, if you can average over 30, um, at Tantallon, if you can get sort of 350 plus runs, you're doing a good job. And then Berkey for yourself, um, what a real surprise packet with the, with the ball. For Warringah was Roy Outred, uh, someone who's actually come up through the grades at Warringah. Yeah, Roy was Roy was playing third grade last year and stepped up into twos. Um, funny little bowler, you just face him in the nets and he just just nibbles it a little bit or he just does a little something. It's hard to hard to work him out, but he just just does enough to take the edge. Um, but yeah, he's he is obviously uh, a good bowler, but a good good character too. Will I mean sorry, uh, Roy Outred um, loves a beer. We should mention, uh, before we go to the break, Biv, after going over 20 years without a trophy, Linfield have now won two trophies in as many years. It's been a long time coming for the, the club. They've only won a handful of trophies, and now they've, they've actually got a, a bit of form now in the competition. Yeah, it tends to go like that for most clubs. You get a generation of players. Um, they get used to winning. Winning becomes a culture, and... Uh, and then they tend to um, sort of get two or three premierships in a short space of time, and then they drop off again. But, you know, again, Linfield had three of the top ten bowlers were from Linfield, so, and they had the leading run scorer in Omar. So it suggests that they were probably the strongest team all year and, and deserved premiership winners. Well, let's go to take a break, and when we come back, we'll have part two of the Sydney Shires Cricket Wrap for 2020-21. This is Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au, available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for the Hornsby Career Guide Post and Atlas Chartered Accountants. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, TuneIn, Spotify and all good podcast sites. We do it all for the Hornsby, Hornsby Karingai Post and Atlas Chartered Accountants. Anthony the Bull Caruso, join with our panel with uh, John Biviano, 
Damian Norton and Tim Burke as we wrap up Sydney Shires cricket for 2020-21. We're going to jump straight into third grade. And Tim Burke, this ended up being your competition in particular. And it was every, every year one of the grades has a genuine four or five horse race for the minor premiership. This year it was third grade. Yeah, I was just looking at the, la- the ladder there with um, the top six. I think the last last couple of um, teams got sorted in that last game. Burwood making a very strong run home um, late in the year, but obviously got washed out with, with the rain. But um, it was close finish between Lane Cove and Ringa for the minor premiers. But Lane Cove did beat us in the round games and held held it by five points. Um, so that was that was well done on Lane Cove there quality outfit um when i played them in the rounds early around about round four i said to the boys these guys pretty handy cricketers but they're all a good bunch of mates that all play pretty hard for each other and yeah they 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 had a they had a pretty tight ship running there so hats off to lane cove damien this is one of the this is one of the teams where i think the club uh had seen probably the most improvement on throughout the grades not not to say that Lane Cove hadn't had a brilliant year. Indeed, they had. But this is probably the grade where I think there was the most improvement made. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we actually made the, made the finals in all four grades, which is the, the first time in, in a long time. But threes in particular, um, led by our skipper, Sammy Greaves, um, just had a fantastic year. And, you know, third grade is, is typically a bit of a transition grade in, in most clubs. You know, players are, um, are washing in and washing out and, you know, if you're any good, you, you're probably, you're going up to twos. But for the first time in a long time, I think threes just had a really solid side that, um, you know, stuck together and wanted to play together. And there were guys that were performing that were probably maybe a little bit reluctant to, to go up. Um, so credit to Greavesy. You know, we had a really strong bowling outfit um, and had some really good performances with the bat. Again, you know, pretty disappointing not to get it done at the, in the end, but... Credit to Oringa, but just a great season from, from the boys. Coming into the finals, uh, Berkey, there was only one finals game that got played before the grand final itself, and it was Warringah's, um second dismantling of Mounties in as many weeks. And Mounties um, just taken apart for just 50. And then, cons- I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, they considered the match at the end of day one with, with Warringah's score of two for 152. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were probably even in more trouble earlier, earlier in the day. Um, so they did well to get to 50. But yeah, I think they, they pulled stumps Sunday morning straight off the bat. They, they just had no time against their side. They were, yeah, they were just, it just wasn't going to happen. So yeah, they went out the back door pretty quickly. And then we come to the grand final, and what a grand final it was. Uh, Lane Cove won the toss, elected the bat, 122, and wickets shared all round. And, and Berkey, you played in this, in this grand final, and it was, it seemed like it was very slow going from the get-go. Yeah, well, quite, obviously, we had that, um, 100 mil of rain, um, coming up to that week, so we were quite surprised when we got there, um, we were hoping we were, we were going to be bowling um, and having a, and inspecting the pitch. It did feel like it just had a little bit of something under it. Um, so when we actually uh, were told we were bowling first, um, we were a little bit surprised at that decision. Chatting to Beza, it sounded like those um, Greavesy and that wanted to really bat because that's what they've done best all year and, and play to their strength. Um, so I think it was hard going for them 
early. I don't think they were trying. I don't think they were trying to bat us out of the game. I just think we we bowled really well. Um, a lot of plays and misses, but I think it's it's just the way it panned out. Um, it was a tough wicket to bat on. I don't think they were going for the draw at all. But yeah, what a, what a game it was. Yeah, I think um, I actually I actually spoke to Greaves and I said, look, mate, for what it's worth, you know, played a lot of Tantal and obviously and especially early doors in a, in a, in a final with a fair bit of rain the week, you know, I'd, I'd be bowling first, definitely. Um, and yeah, you know, he, he had his reasons for, for batting first. Um, but yeah, you're right, Berkey. There wasn't an intention to, to, to bat out. Um, a few of the guys that did bat for long periods of time, they do typically take their time as well. And, um, it probably wasn't the easiest of conditions and Warringah to their credit bowled, you know, bowled really well. Yeah. You got- um, Gareth Newman, who's a, been around a while, um, Ken, Ken Bowl didn't actually take as many wickets in this game, um, but I think we counted yeah, a good 30 to 40 player misses um, on that first day. But look, the game just ceased all, all the way through, and in looking back on it, like we had a pretty restless sleep as well overnight. So that is the one advantage of probably uh, batting first, is you have that little session late at the end of day one, and also. Your runs are on the board, so it nearly did pay off for them. But I just think they gave us maybe a little bit of bit of extra. Their first wicket was um, probably not the right shot, but was was um, the ball just bounced a little bit more than he thought due to that um, the deck. And he's obviously from seeing him in the second innings can't can't whack a ball. Um, so yeah, I think yes, yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see in reflection of what Lane Cove thought of their decision, but it did nearly get them there in the end. And it was Warringah. Crawling over the line with Lockie Johnson, young Lockie Johnson, we should say, steadying the ship with the 37 not out, and it was Gareth Newman hitting the runs, I believe, with a broken finger as well. Yes, he, um, I think he broke his finger in, off a of court and bold during the game, first innings, and then pretty much we just, we, well, if we were backtrack, we were, I think, 3 for 22 overnight. Uh, yeah, that's right. Three for um, twenty-two. Um, three for twenty-two uh, overnight. Yeah. Some shots that were nervous shots. I'm um, chasing a few, and um, yeah. So okay, we'll be thinking, you know, really, so really rest asleep that night. But we pretty much needed a hundred runs, and our goal was to literally just get ten, ten runs of ten, and we pretty much lost consistent wickets. But, um, but young Lockie Johnson, who hasn't scored a lot of runs this year. Um bad rim um Lancaster's best spinner Raji um didn't 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 take a backward step. So very happy with with um with Lockie's knock. But yes, as you said, Gareth walked out. We needed um we needed four runs to win with one wicket in hand and first ball Cameron Beezer bowled to him, wrapped him on the pads and it was a, a eleven a big shout from all, the whole eleven out there and I was like, wow um, anyway, decision not, and then two balls later, I think he, he hit, a, hit a cover drive, which didn't happen much that whole game, straight down the ground for four. So that was um, that was a pretty pretty big moment, um, and yeah, commiserations to Lane Cove, I guess. So they're a great bunch of blokes and a, and a great captain. And as we chatted to Nordo before the game, he's um, he's obviously a big part of that club, and you've got a good bunch of guys there, buddy. So you've got to be very proud and. Yeah, to have a beer with all those guys at the end too, you know, it was it was nice. It was a good battle. Lane Cove did have a crack, scoring four for eighty-five off quick succession. Ryan Devine getting fifty-six, but in the end, Warringah holding on comfortably with a three for sixty-six thanks to Lockie Powell. Quick mention: the man of the match in that game, Seb Bush, three wickets and played a perfect night watchman role with twenty-one runs. 
this guy, he's, he's, a, he's a tall piece of timber. Uh, can send him down, but he is very underrated with the bat. Yeah, I think we had him. I'm not sure if Lane Cove knew he was a night watchman or not, but we would have had him probably around about nine. Um, hasn't had a chance to bat a lot this year just with the way it's panned out. Um, but for a young kid who I think is around about 15 or 16, um, to get three for 11, um, turn the game at one point. I think he took two really quick wickets, was on a hat-trick um, as well. Um, and then, yeah, have, having to go out as a night watchman and not only just survive that night, but I think come back and score another 15 runs the next day, just got the ball rolling and... Um, yeah, well done to the to the young fella for man of the match. The quick mention of the top tens before we move on to fourth grade, and the the batters a very tight um, chart with just less than a hundred runs separating the top ten. We should point out um, the the top in the chart there for the batters, uh, a gentleman by the name of Jason Bowler. Yes, you heard me right, ladies and gentlemen. Jason Bowler top in the batting charts. If you can get your head around that for the bowling, uh, Muhammad Shamas with thirty six wickets for Mounti- for Mounties. Just ahead of, as we mentioned, Cameron Beezer, who took 34 wickets, Nordo. Yeah, Beezer had a um, a great year. A great year. He's um, you know, he's been he's come back through the grades and and later in his career played a fair bit of fours and then back up to threes. But you know, when he had a bit more pace, he was you know he was a good first grade bowler. So those are the sorts of guys that um, you know to win lower grade titles, you need to have those guys who have played higher grades and sort of come back down. Later in their careers, so Gareth Newman is a great example of that for um, for Moringa as well. But I, I just wanted to say one thing on the on the young blokes from Moringa. It's one thing that they've always done really well um, at Moringa is um, you know is obviously blood the, the young guys, and there must be a pretty good um, breeding ground for for cricketers um, up up there um, on the peninsula because. They do a great job, and you know, to have two guys um, stand up and and put in effectively match-winning performances. The bloke who got man of the match, and then the young kid who got 37 not. Um, you know, it, it's, it shows a really strong character to be a young kid step up in a grand final and um, and, and win your side of the game. So, congrats to, to the young fellas. We then go to fourth grade, Biv, and it was well from from the onset you could see it was going to be a two two horse race here between Burwood and Warringah. Burwood taking the minor premiership comfortably um, due to the fact that they ended up recording what would have been two rare outright wins in a season dominated by one-day matches. Yeah, two two clubs at the top there that have always traditionally been strong in the lower grades, so no no surprises to see uh, Burwood and Warringah um, play out the grand final. And, um, you know, credit to both clubs is that they always have those lower grades Competitive and it only strengthens um, strengthens their their top two grades um, when you're performing well. As Nordo said, in the lower grades, they've always got a couple of old heads down there supporting a good crop of um, younger players coming through. Going straight into the uh, into the grand final itself, and what was surprising about this Viv was that unlike the all the other grand finals that we mentioned before, this one actually saw some runs scored. Yeah, probably because you were bowling. Um, <laughs> that is that's probably true, to be honest. What were your stats, mate? Talk me through your stats in that grand final. Two for 38 off 19. Yeah. Did, how many did you bowl straight? Longest spell would have been probably seven overs. Oh, that's good. Well, congratulations yeah. to you. Yeah, uh, I got yeah. through seven. Congratulations, I got through seven overs with, that, with my body. No, the congratulations, way. you contributed to the team's success, mate. You've always been a team man. It's never been about you. Um 
<laughs> you know, it, it's uh, it's interesting. Out of all the sort of grand finals that were played, that was the one that um, had the most had the most runs in it, and uh, it, it, it's sort of not surprising because um, the weekend was actually a pretty fine sort of weekend for cricket and the, and the conditions obviously that were played in um, suggested that uh, that the deck had been prepared really well and, and uh, once batsmen were in, they were hard to shift. And it was certainly the case. Having a chance to have a look at the deck there, I I did have a look at it and I actually thought under normal circumstance, in a, in a regular season game, it would have been a 250-plus deck. It looked absolutely immaculate yeah. and a credit to the, the groundsman at um, at Rothwell Park for preparing yeah. a brilliant deck. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful facility, all the, uh, all the improvements that they, they made in early in the season uh, to the outfield and even to the table itself. So um, wonderful facility to host a grand final. Well, were, you, were you in lineup? Were you in the lineup for um, player of the match there, mate? I noticed a 32-run last wicket stand <laughs> here in a in a five-run victory, um, you know, and very uh, very economical with 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 the new rock. That's good, I would have let him talk himself up. No, no, not no, no, because I could tell you there was there would have been more noodles than a two-minute noodle pack in that um, in that innings there. So the Man of the match rightfully deserves by a 15-year-old Josh Lawson, who, Berkey, you and I have had the pleasure of having to face in the nets. This kid for 15 years old had guys double his age bouncing around in terror. Yes, I think I played with Josh Lawson around round three in fourth grade, and um, then I had to captain the next game in third grade because our skipper was injured, and I... Pick the side and I went, yep, I'll have this kid, thanks very much. So yeah, pretty, pretty happy. And to get a note that he took 5 for 45 off 17 overs and he was restricted to only 17 overs, obviously due to his age. But if he had more overs under his belt later in the day, especially with that new rock, he could have had more. So I think he's, he, he could have easily got 7 for, but yeah, very handy cricket. I think he's in the New South Wales, um, pathway program at the moment. So great young kid and, yeah, it was good to good to see him, him, him do really well. Is he a Green Shield Manly player, Berkey? Yes, he would be Green Shield. Yes. Wow. Yep. And um, I can tell you now, one of one of the more telling moments was he um, he did bounce their longtime captain Lloyd Andrews Biv, <laughs> to which he then turned around to Kev and complained about him saying, "Mate, you're not going to hold him in fourth grade next year." I think Kev turned around and said, uh, "Mate, we're not going to have him at Warringah next year." <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, was he oh. complaining he had to wear a helmet or not? No, actually, it was Greg Metcalf. <laughs> it was Greg Metcalf who refused to wear the helmet. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. but it was it was a brilliant game. The match looked, to be honest, the match looked all gone for Burwood before a brilliant, two brilliant partnerships. First off, with Shreyas Patel and um, and James Thelkeld, and then he did this. Thelkeld did the same thing again with Metcalf to get him within 14 runs of, of victory. He scored 73 runs, and for a number nine to score that in a grand final, it was a brilliant performance and some of the best offside um, slashing you'll actually see in an innings. Controlled innings or slashing? But let me put it this way. He backed away, gave himself enough room, and actually hit controlled slash. I would call them controlled slashes. Right. So, oh. and, but they were on the offside, which you have to give him credit for to be able to control that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, and, again, scoring a 50 in the grand final, um, you know, stood up when it counted, when it mattered. And who, and who was it that um, was able to dismiss this amazing batsman book? Uh, some guy who's lost both his knees as a result. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and is still looking for a transplant at this stage, so... Um, call, it, call, it, call it deep point, what was that? <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, the, were any of you guys watching the live stream? Were any of you guys watching the live stream as as Vic celebrated that wicket? No, no, I, I, I just mi- I just missed it, Berkey. I just missed it. Hats off to our uh, Bill doing live stream. It was quite quite amazing to be in the Lane Cove grandstand watching our game, trying to win our game over while we had our iPhones watching another one. But um, it was a big celebration for Vic. I think you got the ninth wicket, did you, Vic? Yep. Um, and then there was yeah there was a, a good celebration which been recorded so that, that's good to have in the archives. But um, for the captain to to bring on a leg spinner with five runs needed who has been a good leggy for the, the that team all year but just was under under uh, I think it was a bit ill coming into that game and apparently from all reports bowled pretty bad um, that whole day. But um, yeah the young fella just he just bowled a bit of a slider with a new rock and just shouldered arms and. You know, tenth wicket fell with, with four or five runs short, wow. so um, it was a pretty pretty good game. And look, being in tight tight ones like this, it's hard to it's hard to lose lose grand finals. But when you lose a tight one like that, Bill have got to be pretty proud of their fight they had um, towards the end there. So um, it's tough tough to swallow, but they've had a fair bit of success in fourth grade in the last um, ten years. So it was pretty pretty nice to see Kev Davies, who's who's come into the club four years ago and, and captain all four years, I, I believe, and um think he's, you know, fallen short to build a few times. So right. it, was, it was a pretty cool moment for Kev. Well, Kev Davies, arguably Manly's finest sire, now that he's got uh, one boy playing for the Sydney Thunder, another one already making his way through. He topped the batting charts of 371 runs, backed up by Bailey Foster and Paul Chapman, which is a very strong batting lineup for Warringah, but beer for Burwood. Their bowling was sensational this year. Jason Tran, James Thelkold with getting wickets, but it was the veteran himself, Greg Metcalf, picking up 28 at an impressive 8.93. Yeah, look, I think we've seen that across the grades. I think Paul sort of dominated bat a lot. Um, and, and again, with, with a lot of one day cricket this year, um, you know, bowling was critical to restrict sides and, 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 and give your batting lineups a chance to do it. So again, when you've got, you know, multiple players in, in the top 10 wicket takers and in the top 10 run scorers, you're going to be there, thereabouts when the big games come around. We'll just make a quick mention of the Frank Gray Shield as it was already covered mm. in the show prior. Um, the grand final went down to the uh, two teams from the Sixers competition, which I think is the first time in a while that yeah. that's happened. The uh, Epping winning, the, the toss was won by Warringah, who decided to bat first, and they scored eight for 208. And as we mentioned, we've seen it a couple of times, in a Frank Gray Shield grand final, can 200 in a grand final is more often than not a winning total in Frank Gray Shield. Yeah, they played well. Um, watched a lot of that game live and um, they were deserved winners on the day. I, I think Epping could feel like they probably choked a little bit. Um, it was a condensed season this year in Frank Gray with only four prelim 
rounds and, you know, I think uh, Epping lost one of their round prelim games, Ringer lost one of their prelim games, um, but they made it through to the big final and, and it was a great day hosted really well by the Epping Bulls Club um, out there at North Epping Oval. I think there were over 300 odd people in attendance and uh, um, we saw some wonderful cricket. The club championship, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Burwood Bryce, their ninth consecutive club championship, mm. the only club to crack a thousand points. The big improvers this year, Linfield and Epping, um, both improving their positions by at least five. Yeah, well, you know, reflected by, you know, the number of teams that they had, um, you know, in the, in the big games. And um, it, it's good to see that clubs are, are improving. Um, again, I think in the case of Epping, you know, particularly in the top grades, they were helped by the amount of one-day cricket, taking nothing away from their, their performances. But, um, yeah, they were in the Frank Ray Grand Final. Um, they were in the first grade Grand Final and that, that's good signs for um, future success for that club. And, and the, when's that rain going to stop, Vic? Like nine, nine straight and pretty much convincing all nine of them. When's this going to stop and who's going to beat them? This is this is the challenge I think you will find with the uh, with the clubs at the moment and the competition as a whole. Burwood have now put themselves in a very nice position and they've they've set up a bit of a reputation as, as being a and would probably agree with this being a legitimate destination club in their own right. Oh, they are. Look, at it. I think it all starts um, off the field, and I think uh, they've, they've been the benchmark from um, club administration-wise for a long time off the field. They've set the standard. Um, they have depth. They have a lot of teams in the in the lower-grade competitions in Tim Creer Cup and in the Chapelo Cup. Um, they have a great feeder system through through um, their their junior system. And they are a bit of a destination club and, and people want to play for successful clubs. So um, people want to go and play for Burwood Briars. I think is, I think you mentioned the teams. Um, that's a massive factor. I'm not sure how many teams they actually have. But, geez, it's got to be a huge amount of teams. I'd love to see the stats on, you know, how many senior teams of sport in Sydney a club a club has because the Briars cricket would have to be up there, right? That's a huge stab in the dark, but... They've got so many teams that, um, you know, naturally, and, you know, hats off to their club administration, as he said, Biv, but naturally with that many teams, so much depth. Um, and, you know, it's not just about necessarily a destination club because, you know, I mean, yes, players will play there, um, but that's typically in ones where you have the kind of the destination club, but they're just so strong across the grades. You know, their, their second, third and fourth grade sides are probably all just as strong as each other, you know. So, yeah, so, I don't know, Berkey, I don't know, I can't answer that question. We finished second this year, um, which was a great achievement, but, um, you know, we're still a long way off Burwood as is everyone else, I think. Yeah, I think, I think the, the one big advantage that they have is, and, and I think Nordo or, or Berkey, you might have mentioned this a bit earlier. They seem to always have some older senior cricketers that play in those lower grades and they really help set the standard. And, you know, their bowlers are always attacking the stumps. It doesn't matter what grade you play against Burwood. They've just got the same formula that they're patient. Um, and they always stay in the contest, and they always believe, and that comes from a winning culture. So, um, again, 
um, you know, that they are the benchmark. We all strive to be as good as Burwood Briars and, you know, they, they have those, um, two teams in Chapel Oak Cup and then they have, you know, their Tin Career Cup team. So they have plenty of playing depth to call on. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, it is Stumps here on Splinters. It, I just want to thank our guests who have joined us here once again and uh, what a way to wrap up the season that was for Sydney Shires cricket. First off, John Viviano, thank you very much as your role, not only from a Roseville perspective, but also as the chairman of the subcommittee for the Sydney Shires cricket. Yeah, thank, thanks, Paul. Absolute pleasure. Damien Norton, always a pleasure. Uh, one of the best one of the best blokes and one of the best bats around and we hope to have you on the show again very soon. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it, mate. Berkey, as always an entertainer on and off the field. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thanks very much. I'm looking forward to having a beer with you next week at the Prezzo. Indeed. Looking forward to it. That, ladies and gentlemen, that is Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. We do it all for the Hornsby, Coringai Post, and Atlas Chartered Accountants on behalf of John Biviano, Damien Norton and Tim Burke. I'm Anthony Caruso. Run harder, run home. Good night. Mm-hmm.